it's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a good evening. It's Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I'm Ronan Berry and this is Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. Coming up between now and 8pm, you'll meet the owner of the Leash Store that gained national recognition last weekend when they were given the Lifestyle Store of the Year Award at the Retail Excellence Awards. Also, why are Irish SMEs taking out bad debt insurance at unprecedented rates? What might that be pointing towards? And also... Will half of workers actually leave their roles if their remote working needs aren't met by their employers, even if that means taking a pay cut or even if it means the employees foregoing the likelihood of a promotion as well? Well, the results of a recent survey suggest that's exactly what will happen. So again, what do we need to be watching out for? And also from an employment law perspective, going to get some kind of industry perspective too on absences during bad weather because we all know yesterday morning, Everywhere stayed closed for a couple of hours. Well, most places and, you know, people stayed at home, schools opened a bit later and all seemed to pass okay. But that was almost the perfect storm, dare I say, because it was early in the morning, it was the beginning of the week. What happens though with red weather alerts during the week or during the day? How might organisation respond? So we'll ponder all that on the show this evening. And if you have a viewpoint on that or an opinion on anything that I'm discussing on the show here this evening, please get in touch with me. As always, the best and most direct way to do is by text or WhatsApp on 083 103, powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota on the Arden Road, Tullamore. Always happy to hear your thoughts on everything that's going on in your world at the minute. But before all that, I'm going to take you back to meet a very, very young entrepreneur now. He's actually finished school now, so he's, we can nearly call him a grown-up at this stage. But he's uh, well-known, not just across Tullamore or Offaly or the Midlands, but uh, nationally now for his famous wooden reindeer products. It's Anthony Gorman from Anthony's Wooden Crafts. And Anthony was on with me around this time last year, and it really was this amazing story of how a young guy who was still in school at the time had developed this really novel little timber reindeer made out of waste timber and, and logs, and it really had caught the attention of people all across the country. It especially caught the attention of a certain outlet called Dunn Stores, and they put in a massive order back early last year that Anthony spent most of the summer months and, and the autumn months getting ready. He fulfilled that order, and I suppose the big question is, Anthony, firstly, you're very welcome to taking care of business. Have Dunn's come back on again this year? Yeah, Ron, uh, Dunn's have come back on again this year, and I'm absolutely delighted for a third year with Dunn's now this year. It's absolutely a dream come true for my business, considering I've only started in the last couple of years. It really is. It's, it's a huge point for any business to get that, that first major order. What's really lovely, though, this year as well, and if anybody, if you check out um, even my Facebook or my Instagram profile there, you'll see pictures of not just the reindeers that Anthony was producing previously, but he's added some new products as well, including this little baby reindeer too. Yeah, the baby reindeer was a massive idea for me this year. Um, I just wanted to relate to the reindeer kind of in my business. So I added the baby reindeer and tried to make it kind of as cute as, if you want to say it, as you can. So I added like the coat and the socks and still have the original lights just to make it really like a baby kind of reindeer, you know. It looks and like it's like a perfect addition to the families if people were yeah, buying the two reindeers exactly, as well. Yeah. Beyond that, though, you've also gone a bit further too and started making planters. Yeah, so I wanted to make something really unique like the reindeers that were never really seen before. So during the summer months after I was finished leaving, sir, I kind of done some investigating and like what wasn't on the market. So I started to just do try different ideas in the shed. Some ideas worked, some ideas didn't. But then I tried to say, what's the biggest thing about Christmas? And obviously that's Santa and Snowman. They're the biggest 
things that go on during Christmas. So I made the Santa and Snowman and just kept perfecting it. Different ideas led to perfection then. And I perfected the idea and presented it to done stores. And yeah, thankfully, they absolutely loved the idea. And they gave me even a bigger idea to put a little, small, little artificial plant in the front of the Santa and Snowman. And that's why I did. I put, I made a little box for the front and the front of the Santa and Snowman. And thankfully, yeah, I have a perfected product. And they're after hitting the shelves of all done stores this morning. So it's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Congratulations. They, they actually play a bit of an active role in it then in sort of working with you and, and reviewing the, yeah. the ideas you have. Well, yeah. I guess, Ron, they're the, they're the experts, aren't they? So they'll, they'll guide me the best they can. You know, I come up with the, might as well say the first draft of idea and then they'll finalise it for me and tell me what they like and don't like and they're the experts they know what sells and what doesn't sell you know does it take long to go from the original idea maybe kind of a concept making that together and then getting it approved like do you go through many like did the original um, version of these planters look totally different yeah so thankfully I have a, I have a lovely manager you might as well say over me and Duns Brian Jones his name is a super super guy and very patient there's no stress no nothing and I whatever ideas I have you know I might mess around the shed and send him on WhatsApp and then if he likes it then he'll say no actually make a proper one and bring it up to me in the office and we'll go through it but yeah, I brought these two products and they absolutely loved them, thank God, yeah. And you were telling me before we came on, actually, your work is almost done for the year and that you've had to fulfil that order as well. At what point did they place the order for, for the planters and the baby reindeers this year? Yeah, so it was just at the end of summer they gave me, I love that, I love the way they give me a number so then I can work towards the number, you know. So it was about, it was about a month after my leaving, so I went up to the head office and actually got to meet the owner of Dunn Stores for the first time ever, Anne Heffernan, a lovely woman, and yeah, that was it then. They gave me, a, I think it was just a month after my leaving, sir, to give me the, the order they wanted for 2023. Did so you spend long with Anne? I spent about 30 seconds, but it was a brilliant 30 ah, seconds. still, that there's not too many people can <laughs> yeah, say, like, and especially, as you said, just after your leaving, cert as well, to go and yeah, meet the owner of Dunn's as well. It's such, meet, a, yeah. such a huge company in a dynasty and a great Irish success story as well. So um, I know the last time you were out with me, you spoke about how you'd kind of assembled a crackpot uh, manufacturing team as well. Had you got most of those guys back with you then after the summer to, to yeah, start producing? I actually had to get a whole different team this year because a lot of a lot of my buddies went to college this year. So <laughs> I had to change all. I had to change all. And obviously got it done though. You know, I have buddies there in school. They're still in school at the minute, Tormore College. So I, uh, yeah got them all together and we got a good team together this year again and cracked on with It's been a busy year for you overall I know last Saturday night you were shortlisted for Best Emerging New Business in the Tullamore Chamber Awards you also picked up some recognition from the local enterprise office back earlier this year Yeah local enterprise office have always super supported me and I'm absolutely honoured to be an ambassador for them it's, it's, it's brilliant to be honest yeah, where what happens next? Have you got the next idea? You don't have to tell me what it is, but have you got the next idea for next year in your head already? I have, yeah, I definitely have. <laughs> but I want to get this year over with first and get them sold as best I can. And yeah, my goal now for this year is to hopefully get into the late show, to get an interview on the late show. That's the goal for this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you've taken a kind of an innovative approach to this as well. You yeah. mentioned to me on Saturday night at those awards, and I think you launched a campaign on Sunday. Tell us what you're asking people to do. Yeah, so I've done this giveaway there uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. I've done a free giveaway of all my products and a electric picnic ticket. And all you have to do to enter is to share my page and tag the Little Show just to see how much noise we can make, just to see could I, could I make a bit of noise so the PRO of the Facebook page could see it and <laughs> hopefully get a chance to go on it. You know? Well, I took a quick look yesterday. I think there was the guts of a thousand comments yeah, on your page. Yeah, the, oh, the so reaction was insane, yeah. If that doesn't make noise, and um, I believe RT might be looking for a positive story at the minute, so who knows, maybe that's something yeah, that, that could land for you as well. Trying, yeah. um, we've got loads of texts in, actually. People are so familiar with your products already, but I have one very special message from uh, somebody called Martina who says, just to tell Anthony, live on air, how proud his mother and father are of him <laughs> as well. You know, I know it has been huge 
supporters of you of yours over the years too. But um, you mentioned actually the Dunn Stores contract as well. One big difference this year was in the distribution. It really worked in your favour. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant this year. So last year it was, I wouldn't say it was crazy, but we we got it done. But it was we'd have to my dad have to deliver to all different like exactly the stores I was going into. So like say if it was in Calair, I'd have to deliver to Newbridge to the door. Where this year now I have to just go up to a transporting company called Dennington's. So we just drop up a full load of whatever products I'm bringing up and they just distribute them to all the stores. So it makes life a lot handier for Sense us, you know. Is your dad still on the payroll then or do you have oh, to let yeah, him go? Oh yeah, dad's as busy as I am at home, yeah. Brilliant. No, look, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a huge success story too and it's wonderful to see the new products. And like I said about the two kind of, I suppose now adult reindeers last year, they have their own little personalities. The little baby one is exactly that. Joe Cooney here was falling in love with it before we came on air. For anybody who wants to find out more about you, Anthony and see these products, where can they find out that? They can find me on my Facebook page, Anthony's Wooden Crafts, and my website, anthonyswoodencrafts.com. There you go. And maybe see you on the Toy Show in a couple yeah, of weeks' hopefully. time as well. <laughs> Anthony, listen, a pleasure as always, and a wonderful to see the journey and the growth of your business too. Thanks and looking forward to seeing where Cheers. things go for Thanks next year as well. Me. All the best, Anthony. That's Anthony Gorman there from Anthony's Wooden Crafts. Now, after the break, we're going to look at that whole idea of remote working and what people are prepared to forego or give up in order to keep the remote working um, needs, but to, to meet the, the remote working needs, because we all know the workplace has changed significantly post COVID. So our employees about to change as much and indeed will employers bend to those changes as well. Find out after the break, get an perspective on that. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Coming up a little bit later on the show, you'll meet the owner of the Leash store that picked up the Lifestyle Store of the Year Award at the Retail Excellence Awards this weekend just gone by. And also we'll look at bad debt insurance because it appears that many Irish SMEs, indeed more than ever before, are taking out this insurance cover. So what might that be pointing to? Well, John McCann from MCM Accountants will shed some light on that a little bit later on. But before that, I'm going to bring your attention to the results of a remote work survey that was published the other day. And um, some quite stark numbers and figures in it and, and interesting outcomes from it. Basically, the fourth annual National Remote Working Survey now was conducted by researchers from the University of Galway and the Western Development Com- Commission. It gathered responses from over 6,000 people in late September and early October on their experience of remote working. And it says that 44% of workers would change jobs even if that means taking a pay cut, if the remote working preferences are not being facilitated by their employer. To try and shed some light on this and get an industry perspective on it, I'm delighted to be joined by Gary, O'Cre- Gary O'Keefe uh, from Abbey Leaks, and he's Managing Director of Crewed Resourcing Ireland. Um, he's also a world record holder for the longest journey over ice in seven days, so he knows a thing or two about trials and tribulations and resilience. Very good evening, Gary. Good evening. It, w- it wouldn't have been that possible to do... Um that trip remotely now, having said that. <laughs> and I doubt you're dialing in from Siberia at present anyway. No. Listen, c- congrats again on those world records. And uh, if anybody gets a chance, check out the documentary called One Mile Down, Siberian Scramble. But I suppose, Gary, we're here to talk about potentially a, a scramble in the workplace too. That mm-hmm. yeah, this, this report that came out suggesting that 44% of workers would change jobs. Are you seeing that in the marketplace, like particularly in the recruitment sector? Yeah, we are. Um, I mean, it's interesting you said this is the fourth annual um, uh, remote work survey. And it has to be said that before um, March 2020, um, this probably wouldn't have been such a normalized phenomenon as it is now. Um, personally, um, for us, it, it, first, firstly, it, it's we have 
acknowledge that remote work doesn't suit every industry. That's simply a fact. You can't you can't run a factory, you know, remotely. You can't be a, a shop assistant remotely, and you can't be a barman remotely or whatever. So you know, it has its place, and it certainly is here to stay. We have seen a, a completely, I would say, irreversible shift in the normalising of the fact that uh, remote work, or more specifically, actually hybrid work is the norm and happily I'm I'm happy to say in our um, organisation at least that it has actually um, become it it has helped people become more productive And that was kind of one the tail end of Covid as well the whole thing was painted the fact that it's allowing people to be more productive to be more efficient at their workplace too Has that continued though do you think? Yeah it has and and I I think um, both employers and employees have have a you know, duty on each other and respect for for this flexibility to make sure that remote work is you know is just that you're 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 still working from a different place and your productivity um, is expected and the flexibility and and I would say the the productivity that you know you, you would give give an employer um, because you don't have to travel you know three hours just simply to be in an office to do your job uh, is the reward that the employer gets but it's it's Definitely a two-way street. But yeah, on the whole, I think that people are more productive uh, working remotely or at least hybrid remotely. So that begs the question then, if people are likely to be more productive, why then would they be prepared to take a pay cut in order to make sure that Mm -hmm. their remote working needs are being met by their employer? Yeah, I'd have to question it because, to be honest, if if you think about that, um, it tends to be a bit emotive. So somebody said, yeah, I would take a pay cut, but... You know, we're living in a time of increased costs, increased, um, you know, living costs. And I think while people might say that, um, like the reality for a lot of people is that that's simply not an option. Uh, I would say that they definitely would feel that because, you know, the, the drudgery of literally having to go two hours to Dublin for the Midlands just to be in your office when in actual fact, if you're there two or three days a week and working the other two days remotely, you would be equally as um, as effective. I think what people, what you'd find is that people would take a pay cut or move to a different job, which would be the pay cut, um, and not have to travel to that job. So it's not necessarily to take a pay cut um, to do the same job, but you'd find them moving to a different employer that facilitated the lifestyle and maybe cut out some of that extra cost of travel. In, as well as pay cuts, though, another 55% of respondents indicated that they would change their job if their, say, remote or hybrid working preferences weren't facilitated, if that meant less opportunities for promotion too. And I'm kind of seeing some kind of stuff in the media and clamour about this as well, you know, that your next CEO is probably not going to be one of your hybrid workers. Do you think is that borne true or is that just kind of an easy opinion that people are throwing out there? Like, can can the future leaders of companies be be, be picked from hybrid workers? Absolutely. I mean, this is this is an easy kind of a, a pitch, as you say. Look, to say, no, Dick, you can't be a, a CEO if unless you're in the office for 67 hours a week or you follow the American model of working 80 hours and just being there qualifies you being the next VP of sales or whatever. That's absolute nonsense. Um, productivity has to be measured and organizations have to know what they're measuring and why they're measuring it. And I think what it's doing from a lot of the clients we're seeing is it's focusing them on what outputs they actually want instead of getting obsessed with just the norms that were there because they were there. So I, I'm seeing definite shifts in in um, 
like senior manager positions and in fact senior managers are saying to us look I'll do that job more effectively but here are the conditions I'll be two days there I'll be one day there and I'm two days at home and that's the reality I suppose it's that thing of leading from the front as well if your senior management can show to do it effectively if it is bringing an increased productivity and that can be you know brought in in those policies procedures and that that kind of culture but even an organization then maybe it does it is given that opportunity for for even more success as well but of course this week in particular we once again see another major benefit of remote working not just in productivity but yesterday morning when there's a red weather alert issued and you know most businesses any business that could and indeed schools and everything else were closed for an extra hour or two in the morning to allow you know the red weather alert to kind of clear away and ensure that people are safe in, in travelling or moving to work as well. For majority of business, that probably didn't cause a huge disruption because they've now got remote working or hybrid working policies in place. Well, actually, would you believe it? I, I have another theory about that. Of course it didn't. It didn't cause uh, any disruption that you would even notice. But the thing about it is, if you think about it, that you have uh, any emergency on any day and all of a sudden everything else becomes unimportant because that particular emergency is, is way more important. Work still gets done. So we convince ourselves that, oh, no, you can't do this. You can't be there. That time you have to be there this time. And we never ask ourselves why. So I'm a firm believer in, you know, emergencies happen. We, we're not robots. Uh, stuff kind of is unpredictable weather and people and emotions and families and all that and work gets done eventually work will get done and time won't absolutely stop if you have to delay for any other reason other than weather emergencies happen and that's just a fact of life I suppose yesterday morning you know it, it was issued between sort of seven and nine o'clock as well so it probably didn't affect too many places I wonder what would happen if that was between sort of 12 and 2 p.m then do people not travel in the first instance or did they come in and leave early and um, you know how would people typically m- mitigate that well i think i think as a as an employer the first thing you you have a, a massive duty of care to protect your your staff and yourselves and uh, speaking personally if if there was an unexpected weather warning and we got it at 12 o'clock and I said look at at 4 p.m uh, this could be dangerous i'd be telling everybody to get home fast because why would you risk your life for, for just a few hours of, of work that could be done later on anyway? So there's no question, no argument whatsoever. If there's an emergency situation, threat to life and it's dangerous, you have to be responsible and you have to follow your duty of care and just common sense at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. And it does seem to have abated already. I think people just, I, I'd agree with you, said people just kind of accepted what it was, did what they needed mm. and have moved on as well. I suppose taking you back to, to your own business or accrued resourcing, we're at full mm. employment there too. How are you finding things mm. and, and what sectors have you identified maybe as facing the biggest challenge in terms of finding the talent that they need? Well, a lot of sectors are, you could almost say every sector. Every sector is facing talent shortages. Um, on top of that, you know, I mean, if any economy is to grow, it needs people to come into the country. And we've been very good at attracting talent from overseas into the country. Right now, you have bottlenecks where people are saying, well, why would I go to Ireland? Because there's nowhere to stay. That's a huge issue for people, uh, for employers and, and for people who genuinely want to come to Ireland. So we are facing uh, a big crisis, and I would say right across the board. And one of the big, big, big messages that we're seeing here is it's not about people so much as talent. Um, We have a bit of a bugbear with with the fact that uh, our young people are being misrepresented. We go to do our leaving certain, by the way, everybody should, in my opinion, 
no matter what sort of leaving cert you get, you should do it because it's it's almost like a rite of passage or, or a, a growing up phase. But we we go through a leaving cert and a secondary school education that we learn a certain amount of skills, some of them social, some of them academic, but we, we have to face that we have a rote learning system, right? So what do we do? We teach our kids to pass an exam. Now, when that's finished, we pound it into our heads that they absolutely must get a good leaving cert so you get great points and off you go then and you go to college because that's the best thing. But we don't really sit down and ask them why. The facts are, and this is true in the UK as well, Tony Blair 20 years ago set out um, a policy that he would have 50% of all people going to third level education and the theory was that would improve the economy and the theory was right. But right now the pay differential between people going just doing a university degree for the sake of it and the people who are doing, for example, apprenticeships, which are grossly overlooked in our society, um, is, is causing like stupid ripples. And I think that people have to really look at what we're doing with young people and how we're building that talent, rather than just saying there is no talent, because we have to uh, recognise that 10 to 15% of people who go to university for the wrong reasons drop out in the first year. Um, people who leave university are coming out at 23 and 24 with a really good degree and are facing the bottom end of the earning ladder which is disgraceful and because they don't have the skills and that's not their fault they've done the course that was prescribed to them if you do an apprenticeship whether it's trade and we're, we're obsessed with apprenticeships being trade or craft apprenticeships they're not there are 70 apprenticeships across the across the board in Ireland and, and more coming and when you do a proper apprenticeship it's a mix of learning and on-the-job training. And when you come out of it, you're four years, you're still in the QQI system, you're still in the education system, you're a level six more than likely, and you're more than likely at the top end of the, of the earning ladder at 23. That's something we have to address now. And of course, at that point as well, there's no limit to where you can take your education throughout your career absolutely. from that point. It do doesn't you, stop, absolutely not. Do you think that the range and the, the level of apprenticeships, as you've said, are out there now and with more coming and even apprenticeships at level nine, will that do enough, do you think, to get people really aligned no. with what they should be doing? No, absolutely not. The, fa- the fact is there are plenty of apprenticeships there and the, the range of them is there. What needs to happen is we as so-called responsible people, adults, educators, employers, parents, we need to cop on to the fact that we need to better service young people by showing them that there are other options and not just battering them into this pipe where saying you must go to university and you must come out and you must get a degree because that's good and we never really examine why are the results of it. That's where we're failing. And I think that the big challenge is not with uh, making young people better. It's about being better educators and better mentors and better better um, uh, leads and, and role models for them. I think that's where the, that's what's going to make the change. What needs to happen? You think how can how can people and businesses become better role models for those very students? Simple, very very simple. Um, we have to get out there and we have to win that talent. We have to show them the options. We have to educate them and we have to make ourselves better. Uh, we have to be better to attract them. We have to give them better offerings. And if I hear one more person, I'm 50 years of age this year, if I hear one more person my age saying, ah, yeah, but in our day we had to be much better and this, that and the other, that's complete nonsense. We have a responsibility to be better the responsibility to lead our young people better into the workplace and into education so that they do have a decent and better life. We're, we, we're, we have this paradox of saying, 
oh, I want them to have a better life than I did and not have the heart that, that I got when I was growing up and blah, blah, blah. And yet when we see them not wanting the same hardship that we got, um, <laughs> we're saying, well, they're no good because they don't want the kind of hardship that we got. Like, how dumb is that? Absolutely. So and I think our mission here is to push um, the education piece on not just the young people, but on the employers and on the parents, educators and everyone else that can can make this a better uh, a better working society because without young people in our in our mix and without the skills and talent, well, we don't have any economy. Well, absolutely. Well, and the economy, there is a shift to another region of the world if we don't if we don't follow, and then our young people follow it. So that's a stark Correct. warning there, Gary. As always, and the people who listen to you because they know you're a real doer as well. You don't have Guinness <laughs> World Records without uh, getting up off your you know what anyway. But as always, Gary O'Keefe, thank you so much for that this evening. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks for having me on. Gary O'Keefe there is Managing Director of uh, Crewwood Resorting Ireland and he's an Abbey Leaks man as well as uh, check him out there a uh, world record holder One Mile Down Siberian Scramble is that documentary and uh, his company is crewwoodresourcing.com you can find out all about them there time for a short break soon still to come on the show find out why so many Irish companies are beginning to take out bad debt insurance um, at unprecedented levels really but after break you're going to meet the owner of the local store that was crowned the National Lifestyle Store of the Year at the Retail Excellence Awards last weekend Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Now, the past week has been a week of award ceremonies, to say the least. Last Friday night, uh, Friday night the week before, Mullingar Chamber held their awards. Saturday night, the, in the Sheraton at Lone, at Lone Chamber had theirs. The Midlands Hospita- Hospi- Midlands Monetary Hospitality Awards on Monday night. And then last Friday night, Tullamore Chamber had their annual awards too. And I have to say, across the region, it was just fantastic to see all the local businesses from big to small to old to new, just out celebrating and a huge acknowledgement of the fantastic work that many of you and most of you are doing across the Midlands too. There was also though, some national awards on and the Retail Excellence Awards took place in the Galmont Hotel in Galway last Sunday night and a certain store in Port Leash came away with the National Lifestyle Store of the Year Award. Now, probably come as no surprise if I tell you that that was the nook and cranny gift store in Port Leash, owned, of course, by LaDonna McCartan. Uh, LaDonna, yeah, you're still hoarse after all the celebrations. <laughs> I'm a little bit hoarse, Ronan, but uh, I made sure to pack a lot of lozenges, you know, to uh, minimise the damage. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Like, it's a major achievement to come out with a national award like that for Lifestyle Store of the Year. Um, what was it like when your name was called out? Oh, Lord, you know what? It was absolutely amazing. I mean, t- to be quite honest, uh, when the team and uh, Mark and I arrived down to the Galmont Hotel, it was it was uh, a very uh, well-populated, there were like five or six hundred people there, and it, it was represented, uh, that was representing the top 30 uh, retail stores, uh, according to Retail Excellence Ireland, um, you know, in the country. So to be fair, we were already uh, uh, feeling chuffed to be in that company and be listed as a top 30 store. Um, uh, so honest to God, when the uh, when the Lifestyle Store of the Year uh, nominations were called out and then the winner, sure, I nearly fell off my chair, honest to God. I was, I was just, I'm still uh, thrilled to bits and very, very proud for the team um, and thrilled for our customers and, uh, you know, delighted to be working with so many creative uh, supply partners locally and right around the country as well. So we're, we're delighted. We're, 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 if we were any better, we'd burst. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the USP? What do you do better than anybody else? Well, now, that's a very hard uh, one for me to, 
to honestly answer about ourselves. But I can tell you that the, the judging process is fairly rigorous. Um, and, and I suppose the feedback in our reports specifically highlighted the uh, number one, the extent and quality of the gift ideas that we have at Nook and Cranny. Um, we actually travel all over Ireland, Ronan and Europe to handpick every single gift we stock uh, in the store. And so uh, for us, the criteria for being considered is that the gift has to be remarkable. It has to be something out of the ordinary. Um, we'll often bring a new product into Ireland that isn't stocked in Ireland at that time. It has to be useful, you know, serve a practical purpose, memorable. Um, and, and so the quality and, and extent of the gift ideas was something that the, the judges really honed in on. Um, but I suppose the other thing uh, that, that they were um, they were very complimentary of, and to be fair, something I'm very proud of is it's the ability of our team to really listen carefully to what a customer wants uh, and, and wants their gift to represent moreover. Um, and practically always, we, we're we good at delivering a number of suitable options um, to, to really well uh, reflect what somebody is trying to say with a gift. You well, know, I'm going to give you another um, compliment. I'm going to give you 10 out of 10 for the answer because on your website and social media, yeah. your tagline is, we do the hunting so you enjoy the finding. So clearly, the hunting piece you have absolutely nailed as well but you've also made your business findable and you know how does that happen is that true just is it social media or what has been the kind of I suppose the, the trick behind that to really get your attention out there nationally uh, well well, I, I suppose that's one of the, the benefits of, of winning a national award it, it certainly brings um, some, some very good attention to the store to the town um, and uh, it, it certainly keeps us on our toes um, so we, do you know what? Overall, I think the best thing you can do is to strive to offer the very best customer experience that you can. Um, I mean, promoting yourself on social media uh, through various other forms of PR, it's all very helpful, but nothing, nothing is as uh, positive um, as, as uh, say, a customer recommendation. And, and we've all been there. You know, you know if somebody says to you, um, They've, they've been on holidays, weekend away uh, with, with the girls, and we came upon this store, um, and uh, we, we want to go back there. We're definitely going to call back, or they, somebody will want to, uh, you know, take your your business card to stay in touch uh, because they've had a really nice experience there. I think that there's there's nothing as valuable as. Um, delivering an excellent customer service so that you encourage people to come back uh, to shop with you and you encourage all of those uh, positive recommendations and of course re- uh, you know positive reviews online as well which are very important when you're trying to keep then you know deliver that that fantastic customer experience how different is it doing that say with the person in person when people are calling into you versus trying to do that online too and and keep keep right up ahead of the curve with that um well wait I suppose the challenge when somebody comes into the store is that what we find is that uh, customers are very, uh, we're all very time poor. Um, it's, 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 so the, the challenge for us when somebody comes into the store is uh, to be able to listen carefully to what the customer wants their gift to represent uh, and ask some targeted questions to have a really good understanding of uh, the type of gift they're looking for and then come back with some um, uh, some some good uh, you know suggestions suitable suggestions. Nobody wants to buy a gift anymore. Just take come in and pick something off the shelf uh, and and uh, and hand it over. They they more and more than ever people are looking for 
positive, meaningful gifts. Like I, I suppose we feel very much that we're in the the business of connecting uh, a, a customer with a, a gift that represents their sentiment. Um, and so it, it, it's something that's that's very easy to do in store, uh, albeit that that people have time pressures. But it's it's easy to do in store and online on our on our uh, website nookingcranny.ie. We actually offer a gift concierge service. So um, we and, and and this is another way that we've we've um, I suppose extended our reach uh, beyond the, the the region and in fact beyond Ireland. I had a call recently from a lady a WhatsApp call from a lady living in Vietnam. Uh, who was looking for a gift to... Uh, she was trying to organise a, a, a wedding, um, God bless her, from abroad. She was coming home to get married in Ireland and she had said on her form, she answered that we have three or four questions on, on the form and, and uh, she was looking for something really meaningful to give to her five bridesmaids that, um, that kind of reflected the depth of their friendships and just the, the physical distance that exists. You know, they, they, they're all living in lots of different places, grew up as school friends, but she wanted something very meaningful had to be Irish Irish made um, and uh, that inquiry came into me from uh, our gift our gifting concierge form uh, that we have on the homepage of nookandcranny.ie um, and ultimately we discussed there was a little bit of back and forth but ultimately she chose a gorgeous gift which was a, a small framed print uh, by uh, a wonderful artist based over in Roscommon called Rita Oates and on the, uh, the it's, it, it's like a little penciled uh, drawing of friends holding hands in a circle uh, with the caption together for each other. Well, and it's a really beautiful piece. You know, it just hits the nail right on the head and she was thrilled with it. Yeah, such a personal gift as well. But actually, as you say, when yeah. when, when, when there's time pressure, never mind the geographical distance and separation, to have somebody at hand that can, can help you and curate those those gifts as well is, is amazing too. Are people becoming really interested in the provenance, like where the, where the stuff is actually coming from? Like are Irish people really interested to see if it's coming from a craft maker somewhere in Europe or, or vice versa? Indeed, they absolutely are becoming more and more uh, aware of that, uh, as are we. Uh, I mean, we, we, we travel all over Europe to, to bring unusual gifts, to find new uh, trending gift ideas and new makers. Um, and uh, we're, we're big champions of uh, a, a lot of Irish suppliers as well. 60% at least of the uh, gift ideas you'll find at Nook and Cranny originate from, from Ireland. And yes, people are very concerned with supporting uh, supporting locally where, where they can and in fact we, we stock a beautiful range from Yvonne Bolger uh, who is a, a silversmith and uh, she handcrafts her own jewellery she's based out in Emo I don't know if you know her um, very much influenced by nature and uh, her gorgeous surroundings out in Emo um, and we were thrilled to uh, to uh, become a, a stockist of her gorgeous jewellery Um so and and that's a very good uh, uh, choice. It's a very popular choice, uh, particularly if somebody is is from Leash and wants to send a gift uh, a gift abroad. But Irish, uh, obviously, it's very important to keep the um, to keep the business in uh, in the town in the country, um, and and then within Europe, uh, I guess in that order. And, the, and I think as well to keep the business in the town where it is in the middle of Port Leash and keep the bricks and mortar store. You can build the online presence too. But um, you know, after COVID. Was there ever a tendency to say, well, actually, maybe we could do this all online or no? Was it always, we've got to keep the store? That's what's so special about it. That's a really good question. COVID was a very, very interesting time, I, I, I guess, for us all. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, th- there was a lot of learning done uh, during that time, apart from trying to keep your business 
uh, alive and and open, let, let alone thriving. Um, but we were we were and, and it, it pushed us well out of our comfort zone. All of a sudden, we actually didn't have our own website. Uh, Mark and I were in in um, Mexico at the time. <laughs> Uh, for we we had a lovely plan to go for a, a, a what was it two weeks? We ended up getting about five days of a holiday and coming home to a, a very empty car park car park at, at Dublin Airport, and all the other ensuing decisions and things that had had to be made. But um, uh, so we and we set about putting our we designed our own website. Uh, we started doing videos uh, uh, from the store. Um, we uh, took calls to help people with their gifting needs. When the restrictions lifted, we were able to uh, go out and do deliveries ourselves of of gifts. Um, So we we learned an awful lot. We we learned an awful lot about the importance of human connection during that time. And in fact, uh, the, the refurbishment that we did recently um, in the store is uh, the, the the decisions uh, that we made around our, our refurbishment in store were very much as a result of the learnings um, around COVID. So our number one aim was was to to we did a complete reassessment of what the store represented once we could reopen again after COVID, and we felt a very I suppose a very uh, strong desire to to deliver a, a calm, a warm, a welcoming environment where where our customers could comfortably reconnect with a, you know within a physical retail setting. Um, and so in doing that we we changed the colours of the exterior of the store and the interior. Uh, we changed them to a classic calm kind of uh, colour palette that reflected nature. We've we've a lovely mallard green and antique gold colouring. Um, we continued the, that kind of sense of bringing the outdoors indoors. And now when you call, you'll see that there's greenery in practically every display area. There's a number of uh, hanging greenery installations from the ceiling. Uh, we softened our lighting with the use of warm white filament bulbs, table lamps. We kind of took the view after COVID that when a customer opens the door, we wanted them to feel as relaxed and welcome as you would when you're visiting an old friend. Um and even as you wander around the store now, you'll notice a kind of a gentle bird song in the background. There's the uplifting waft of lemongrass, which is our signature scent. Um, we've really, really wanted to. We we were we were never. It was never ever on the agenda for us to take the option of being an online store only. It's 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 too. The whole sense of community and being a store on Main Street is far, far too important. We'd uh, we'd miss that human connection, and uh, the online is important, but um, it's it's I, I I think it's not as important as the the physical presence of of a store. Uh, so I'm delighted we're and we're eight years now in business, thank God, and uh, uh, surviving very well, and and um, looking forward to a very busy Christmas. And, and deservedly so, I have to say, well said, and it's inspirational to hear you say stuff like that as well, that it just doesn't happen by accident. And picking up a national award like that, Lifestyle Store of the Year, it doesn't happen by accident. It comes from hard work as well and just that clear focus on customer and customer satisfaction as well. But Donna, absolute pleasure talking to you as always. Congrats on the award and uh, looking forward to dropping in and seeing you over Christmas at some stage. You're very good, Ronan. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat with you this evening. An Thank abs- you indeed. An absolute pleasure. And I must borrow some of those lozenges off uh, LaDonna because uh, my voice hasn't held up just as well and I wasn't even celebrating an award at the weekend. But uh, again, the nook and cranny.ie is the website.
You'll find them across all social media channels as well. Definitely worth checking out and fantastic for local businesses like that to get the recognition that they deserve at, at, um, at national level too. Must say a big shout out to LaDonna's partner, Mark Healy, as well of The Pantry. Another fantastic uh, port leash business and a great place to get a bite to, eat, bite to eat and a cup of coffee as well. So well done to everybody. Keep up that great work. Time for a quick break. After that, we're going to try and find out why more and more businesses are beginning to take out bad debt insurance. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. In the Sunday Times business section at last weekend, I came across an article that said SMEs scramble for bad debt cover amid a cash flow squeeze. It says a 3 in 10 SMEs have written off bad debt in the past year with an average value of €21,000. And 60,000 businesses, remember, are due to start clearing €1.9 billion Euro in warehouse taxes early next year. So is this causing more and more business owners to begin to look at bad debt cover? Well, let's look at this a bit more in detail with John McCann from MCM Accounting. John, how many businesses typically would take out bad debt cover? Is it standard practice? Uh, good evening, Roland. Um, yeah, OK, let's, let's, let's get straight to the point on this one. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, most Irish businesses don't. The larger ones do. Um, certainly when I worked in the UK, um, many, many years ago, it was kind of the norm. Um, where bad debt cover was an absolutely essential part of the business. Um, certainly some of our clients will be dealing with uh, people in Northern Ireland and uh, most certainly that will be the case or if you're dealing with German or French uh, customers. Um, yeah, bad debt cover is, is, is the norm, but it's very much for the larger type of business. And uh, it's not something that we would in, 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 let's be like Southern Ireland, have, have taken as a matter of course. But yeah, it's going to become a bigger issue. Um, do you think is it is it typically like is it expensive at entry level basis like say for even a a reasonably large size company to actually go and take out a bad debt policy? Um, well, look, the the the, the balance is generally um, look given the level of your bad debt and given the level of your turnover and given the level of your profit margin, is it worth doing? Uh, I would say if the larger businesses, yes, it is worth doing, um, but it's not cheap. But it's not the sort of thing you say that, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the norm because generally with bad debt cover, while you are covered, you really it really has to go to the line before you get a payout. So, for example, if let's say somebody hasn't paid within the credit terms, and let, let's call it let's say thirty days, um, a nasty letter will go out. Now, one of the reasons that Irish companies don't do this as much because what happens is the insurance company steps in, and uh, many Irish companies don't like uh, this kind of officious kind of legal type thing. But, you know, the the bigger organisations are saying, look, you know, uh, they're the terms of, of of business. You either do it or you don't do it. And if you don't like it, that's tough. We really don't care. So it's it's something that is going to become a bigger issue over the next over the next while. Yeah. That would suggest that if you are looking to take out bad debt cover, like you, you at least would want to have good due diligence done on your own customers and not be just offering credit at a kind of a, you know, too, uh, too easy to potential customers. Like I'm sure that's going to be assessed if in the event that you do want to make a claim then. Well, generally a credit, um, uh, any of the insurance companies will actually do their own due diligence and they'll say, look, here's my debtor list. There's no more to kind of, um, if you want to use invoice discounting or factoring, and that's where... Uh, banks actually fund on the basis of your debtors, they will do their due diligence and say, no, that guy's a bad debt. We are not covering him. He's got a, a, a lousy reputation. And, you know, uh, there's a limit as to how much credit you can give. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I would think that the insurance company, because of the fees they charge, will do an appropriate due diligence. And look, Roland, with the way things are going, um, that's all well and good. But the 
difficulty here is, and I and I don't want to kind of go on too long here, is when I worked in the UK, there were there were two uh, countries that you just did not deal with, actually three countries. One was Italy because they don't pay their bills, um, Southern Ireland because they don't pay their bills, and uh, France because they were very sketchy and the legal system was absolutely rubbish. So um, I suppose the bottom line here is what we really need to do if we want to kind of avoid these unnecessary costs is start growing up and actually sticking to our credit terms because Irish people are shocking and appalling at paying their bills within terms. I, I saw that just, I saw that firsthand actually during the downturn kind of post-2008 like where German companies that, and I worked with quite a big company at the time, you know, used to just send stuff over on credit and it was payment up front. And I mean, there was shock here in Ireland, but uh, that's just yeah. how they rolled. And if you want the stuff, this is what you do. And I think um, for a long time, I think we need to be kind of growing up, as you say, on that type of thing. But uh, undoubtedly, challenges coming, I suppose, with all the tax warehouse there too. But uh, certainly, if it is something for people to look at, bad debt cover could be could be one avenue to look. John, thank you so much. Sorry, time was short. You're more than um, welcome, Ronan. Uh, that's but, okay. But accountants are expensive, apparently. So I'll let you go, John. <laughs> Ronan, you won't believe the bill I'm going to charge you. What's worse, what's more is I'm going to have to get bad debt cover on you. There you go. Send it to Will Faulkner. He'll look after for you. John McCann, thanks thanks as always. John there from MCM Accountants too. But yeah, interesting piece in this on the Times are out around um, the level of bad debt being sought or cover being sought increasing amongst Irish SMEs. That's it for this evening. Hope you've enjoyed this evening's show. I mean, what fabulous it was to talk to Anthony Gorman the really young entrepreneur with a new range of products now hitting done stores this morning to LaDonna McCartan there from the Nook and Cranny. Inspirational stuff, really, in fairness. And with John McCann and Gary, Gary O'Keefe, they're talking about the remote working and people's uh, attitudes towards it and what companies might need to be aware of. I'll talk to you next week from 7. Have a great weekend. Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.